We've embarked on this journey starting last week, uh, a series called Canvas. Canvas. And last week we discovered this, that uh, we are not the beautiful picture. Uh, we are not the beautiful paint that goes on the canvas. We are not even the brush that gets used to paint the picture. Uh, we're not even really the idea that's on the canvas. Last week we simply talked about this, that we are simply the canvas. Now, we are the canvas in which God begins to, with all of His ability and all of His glory, begin to paint this masterpiece. So last week we talked a little bit about that, and I want to continue our series today in talking about canvas. And really what we're discussing is this, is how can our life paint a better picture? Okay? How can our life paint a better masterpiece? Ephesians chapter 2, New Living Translation, says this, For we are... God's masterpiece. And we talked about that last week. How can we paint a better picture with our life? And you can catch the series online. How do we paint a better picture with our life? We understand that we are God's and we understand that we're a masterpiece. And if we understand that we belong to God and we understand that we're a masterpiece, we understand that He's the master painter and He is the one that is painting a picture for our life. Okay? Here's something we need to understand though. As God is doing that, and He's painting this beautiful picture, this beautiful masterpiece, we are God's masterpiece. As He's painting that, uh, we sometimes have a tendency to mess things up momentarily. Right? Okay, maybe, let me change that. I sometimes have a way of messing up this picture He's painting in my life sometimes. And that just happens. It happens in different ways. And some, sometimes when we begin to involve ourselves into the picture that God's painting, we, we jack it up. Okay? And, 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 and yet God can redeem that. Amen? And we're going to talk more about His redeeming quality next week. And so how can we begin to live a better picture? I want you to turn now with me to Psalm 139. Because here's the reality. God has a plan for our life. When God starts out painting a picture for our life, He doesn't do it flippantly. He's not on the fly thinking, what color should I use next? He has it all laid out. He knows where He's going. He knows what tools He's going to use. He, he knows what colors He's going to use. He, he knows what hour, what family, all that stuff. It is planned out for us. And I want to show that to you right here in Psalm 139. I'm going to read this, then I'm going to pray and we'll get into it. Verse 13. Okay? This is David writing, and he's writing about himself, okay? And he says this, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Come on. I love it. Now think about this once again. David is writing this about himself, right? And he's talking, I'm, I'm pretty good, right? But he doesn't stop there. Then he, then he realizes how awesome he is. He says, wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. I'm a good looking dude. Right? My frame was hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Now listen to this. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written. Now listen. Every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. What is that telling us? That is telling us this, that God has a plan for our life. 
He knows where He wants our life to go. He has the right colors. He has the right tools. He's written out every one of those days before you even get to tomorrow. Guess what? God's already got it written out for you. Come on. That's why we can pray today and say amen today and know that it's going to work out tomorrow. Because God has already written out those days. He has a plan. Okay? But yet sometimes we try to get involved in it a little too much and we jack his plan up. God, we thank you for your word today. Lord, I pray that you'd help me just uh, communicate this word today. And I pray that, God, it would, uh, uh, Lord, uh, push us closer to you. And it would cause us to think about things in our life that we need to adjust and we need to change and we need to make different so that our life could paint a better picture. Lord, I ask that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Every day was written out before yet you lived one of them. God has a plan. He has a game plan for your life. It's a pretty exciting thing when you think about a game plan. There's nothing more fulfilling than laying out a plan and watching the plan unfold as you laid it out. Okay? I've been coaching my daughter's uh, seven, eight, nine-year-old basketball team, which, by the way, they're undefeated 4-0. Come on, somebody. All right? So my wife and I have been, have been coaching them together because they're both on the same team, so it's a fun family thing to do. And, and uh, we take them and... And uh, we jumped in on day one, and we taught them, let's just see if they can dribble, let's see if they can pass. But then we actually set up a defense, and we actually set up, and they run a play, and it's awesome. It is so rewarding when I stand back, and I watch them actually, and Faith brings the ball down, and she pump fakes that way. And, the, you know, they're seven, eight, nine-year-old, and they're all, like, running over to that side. And she gets a big smile on her, fa- on her face and passes it to the open person on that side. And the coach on the other team's like, what are you teaching them? Like, fundamentals, come on, somebody, right? And it's so awesome to watch the play unfold. I played college basketball, and when I was playing college basketball, we obviously had several plays that we would run, and the point guard bring the ball down, and he'd call out the play. And if we would run the play the way the coach set it up, more times than not, we would score. It was awesome. It's so rewarding to, here's the play, you run it, and wow, things are fulfilled. That is awesome. But there are those moments when you come down the, the court and you just, you know, I don't feel like running the play. Right? And that's when you hear coach yelling at you from the sideline. Okay? I want to simply talk to you today about these two things, bad choices and emotional scars. Bad choices and emotional scars. Bad choices are those moments when you're coming down the court and you know what play you should run because coach told you. Every day's written out. Coach told you what play to run, but those bad choices are those moments when you're coming down the court and you say, I don't want to do it that way. I'm going to try to take it to the hoop all by myself. Okay? Bert, don't do it. Okay? Right? And then coach has got to call a timeout because, why? You just jacked up the play. But then there are some times when you are running the play, but somebody else on the team, they don't remember the play. And how many of you guys have ever seen this happen? They're supposed to be running the play, but somebody else on the team goes to the wrong spot. And it jacks everything up. People are running into each other, falling down. Okay, that's happened a few times on our seven, eight, nine-year-old girls team, you know. And, you know, these four are doing the right thing, but this one person isn't. And it just kind of jacked things up. Now, that would be those emotional scars that happen in our life. You might be living life. You might be running, man, according to the plan. Man, God has written it out for me and I'm living according. But all of a sudden, somebody over here does something to offend you does something to hurt you, 
does something to harm you. And all of a sudden what happens now is it comes in and it begins to jack up the masterpiece that God has been painting. But yet, by His grace, come on, it can be redeemed. Emotional scars, that would be in this analogy, someone that's out of place, bad choices, would you be and say, I don't feel like running the play today. I know you laid it out and it's beautiful when you do, God, and we run it according to plan, but yet I don't, I don't feel like doing that. Okay? Let me talk about this first one, bad choices. Bad choices. Let's just call it what it really is, alright? Sin. Shelly? It, it just kind of messes with me sometime when... Uh, you know, you hear about someone that, that sinned in a certain area and, um, and then, you know, like maybe it's a moral act and they, you know, and this is what we say, oh, they fell morally. No, they sinned. It wasn't like they were walking one day and they tripped and all their clothes fell off and, whoo, whoops. Are you with me? Okay. They made a choice. They, 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 they sinned. Okay. These bad choices simply put, uh, it, it's sin. James 4.17, it says this, He who knows to do right, but does not do it, to that person it is sin. Okay. So if we know that God has a plan for our life, and if we're reading the plan, and we know it, but we don't do it, guess what? Sin, and you're jacking up His masterpiece. Are you with me? And you really don't have the right to jack it up, because remember, you're just the canvas. Okay? I mean, what's the canvas doing jumping off into the paint, right? Let the brush do its job. Let the paint paint on the canvas. Okay, and this is, this is sin. When we sin, it begins to hinder the hand of God in our life. It begins to mess with the picture. It begins to get in. Literally what happens is, is God is trying to do something in your life, but because of sin in your life, it resists the work of God. And it's literally like the paintbrush is coming, but sin is holding it back. Well, what's wrong with this? What's going on in my life? Sin. But man, God wants to create that next stroke in your life. Now, uh, if we go back to Genesis chapter 3, and, uh, and we look at Genesis chapter 3. Now remember, I told you I can't paint, right? Okay. So just ooh and ah, no laughing, all right? Okay, be like, oh, wow, oh. Practice it, ready? That's beautiful. It's beautiful, thank you for entertaining me. <laughs> I got things to throw, be careful. Yeah. If we go back to Genesis, in the book of Genesis, uh, we read this starting in Genesis chapter 1, that in the beginning God, He created, right? He began to paint this beautiful masterpiece. And if you read on, every time He would do something, then He, and he, he made you know, the day you know, light and the, the night dark, and it was good, right? Like He brags about Himself all the way through Genesis chapter 1. But if you're God, you can probably do that. So, and so he gets to Genesis chapter 1, and everything he's doing is good. And then it gets to Genesis chapter 2, and right before he rests, he works six days, and he rests on the seventh. And right before he rests, he steps back and takes a look at all that he created, and he says, wow, it is very good. And I love it when you look at, when you look at the, uh, uh, the story and you're reading through it, uh, you see that in every, you know, like every masterpiece, it starts with, come on somebody, just one. Oh, that's beautiful, right? Ooh, ah. It starts just with, yeah, it just starts with, you know, one stroke. That was probably three strokes. But anyway, it, it starts with a stroke of the brush, right? 
Hã? I wish, I wish somebody would put on that song Paradise right now. Just be like, right? You all, you all remember, right? You were there for Easter, right? The dude was awesome, but hopefully he's not watching this. I wasn't making fun of you. Uh, you know, it just starts with just, you know, some strokes. And, and so, you know, in, in, in the beginning when God created, so it says he created a river. Come on, can you see the river? It looks like a river, right? That's pretty good. I mean, it's blue, right? Water's blue. Come on, give me some credit. At least I wasn't, you know, picking brown, you know? What kind of rivers you guys are swimming in, but... Um, and so he creates, he creates a... You like that? He, he creates... What, what brush do I use? I don't, even, I don't even know what brushes to use. Is this a good one, Mel? Mel in here? Thanks for letting me use your stuff. This is great. And, and it says that uh, he puts some trees, right? Oh, man, that's a beautiful tree. Ooh, ah... Ah, I, I shouldn't have said anything. I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming, right? And he put some trees, right, in the, in the garden. And what did, what did he say? He said, uh, what, what paint am I using here? Here we go. He said, of every tree you shall eat, right? But there's one tree you shouldn't eat. What is it? It's the tree of knowledge. Oh, you guys have read your Bible at least up to Genesis chapter 2. Good job. Right? And so he put this tree, and so let's call that tree the knowledge of, of good and evil. And so he put some trees, and, and here we go. What should we use here? We'll use this one. And obviously trees, you know, most of them are green, right? I told you, look, look, you know, God showed up, which is awesome. But if not, at least you're going to be entertained today, right? Because, you know, and, and these look like the trees from uh, the Lorax, right? See, someone, someone new, right? Someone new. Okay, come on, bear with me. Those are beautiful trees. We'll make this one a little bit bigger, right? Um, but this is, this is the smart tree, all right? It's the knowledge of, of good and evil, right? Isn't that beautiful, right? So, thank you. Ah, ooh, ooh, right? And then, he, then he created, what did he create? He created some, uh, uh, some birds, right? So we could, how do you draw a bird? Like, oh, that's a bad bird, but here. Should I just do a stick bird? Oh, it's upside down, though, huh? Right? Oh, like an M. No? You're hurting my feelings. Right? Okay, I got, I got, I got this under control, man. I don't even care about you guys behind me anymore. I'm just going to paint and have fun. Someone said this was relaxing. I don't, I don't know. And so he created, that's the river. Why? Because a river runs through it. And then there's, some of you will catch that later. And, and then there's trees. And I'm sure there was probably more trees in there. As a matter of fact, I should probably put just a couple more trees. Let's just say there's a tree way off here in the distance. And there's, there's one there and there. Woo, yeah. Beautiful. Oh, birds sitting on a tree. Look at that. That's cool, right? That's cool, Okay. And then, and, and, uh, I don't know, we could do like, um, there's like a, an animal right here. We'll call that a goat, sure, sure. I, like, I can try it a little bit better. What is it? Say a unicorn, sure, because those are in the Bible, absolutely. Um, 
Oh, no, we could just, I mean, we could do littler ones. I like I said, I told you I was horrible. That's a zebra. Right? And, and so, but see what happens is God painted this beautiful masterpiece. That is good looking, man. I got to step back and take a look at that real quick, right? It's good. Am I my mom laughing? Man. We'll talk about emotional scars in just a minute. Wow. Jeez. Love you too, Mom. So we have this match. God created all this stuff, and He said, man, it is really good. Now, if you read on in Genesis, let's talk about the original sin here. We go on in Genesis, and the first thing to jack the masterpiece up was sin. Because God said, hey, I don't want you to eat uh, of the tree of knowledge. All the other trees, you can do it, but don't eat of that one. And then you know the story, the serpent comes, right? And begins to whisper in Eve's ear and, and begins to say, hey, shh. Probably sounded like that, too. Says, hey, how come you can't eat of that? And Eve starts ad-libbing into what God said. Well, because if we uh, eat of it, and even if we touch it the day that we do that, we shall surely die, you know? And, or unless we die, right? She's just like kind of listening to the serpent. And, and all of a sudden she gets this thing saying, you know what? Who does he think he is to be painting this picture? She said, no, you know what? I think I deserve to get a bite of whatever that was. Right? I know in all the stories people portray to be an apple, right? Why does the apple get the bad rap, right? Should have been a banana or something. But. So she says, you know what? I think I can eat of this thing. And she sins against what God says. And when you do that, now if you read on in the story, it jacked everything up to the point where literally God put an angel and a flaming sword. Read the Bible, it's crazy. To guard the garden and not allow them in it anymore. Right? That's how jacked up the masterpiece is. So what happens is, is, is we begin to sin, right? And as we begin to sin, it, 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 begins to, it begins to just distort things. Oh, birdie. And now what was beautiful, it's gross, right? My beautiful trees. Oh, man, I kind of I hurt doing that. Right? Because I spent a lot of time on that. You don't know how many times I've practiced at home. So. <laughs> I know some of you are out there like, dude, you practiced that? <laughs> Jerk. And it might be. And then all of a sudden now that beautiful, you can't even begin to see anymore because it's just one big, gross mess. I've never done this, by the way, before. This is kind of fun. What if this is something new? I'll paint a picture every week. Come to campus. Right? This is what happens when we begin to sin in our life. It begins to jack the picture up. When we begin to do things that, not in accordance to God's Word, when we read God's Word and we see it says this, but yet we do the opposite, that's sin. And some of us would look at our life and say, man, I don't know why I'm always having these issues. I don't know why uh, this is always going on. Or maybe you would look and say, I don't have that clarity I need. And, and I don't, Why? Because everything's muddied up. Why? Because of sin in our life. And this is what Adam and Eve did. Adam and Eve then begin to jack the picture up. And they begin to ruin it. 
what was gorgeous, what was beautiful, what God meant for, for life to be like and life to look like, man, it is now distorted. And now, since the book of Genesis, God has been in the process of restoring it. Sin. Sin will jack up the picture. Here's the thing I've learned, that sin not only jacks up the masterpiece that God is painting here, if I sin, but now I'm married and I have kids. I'm a pastor. There are people coming to the church. And if I sin, it will jack your picture up as well. See, the, the lie that the enemy would like you to believe is that if you blow it, it only affects you. And here's the reality, ladies and gentlemen, is that oftentimes our sin is not even committed out of ill will. It's not like I want to go out and sin today. It's not like we wake up, I don't think, as people and say, you know what, today I just want to do something really bad. Now, I'm sure there's some of you that are like that. But the majority of us aren't waking up thinking, man, how can I just cheat on my wife today? How can I just sleep around today? How can I be angry and flip somebody off on the road today? How can I... Some of you don't even have to think about that. It's just a natural reaction, right? On the road. I'm angry. Automatically, right? You don't wake up thinking about those things. But what happens is, oftentimes, a couple of things happen. One is this. Trust is there. And because we have an issue with trust, we don't know where God is going with that first stroke. And you step back and look at it and say, I don't look like a river. Well, it wasn't finished yet. And because of trust issues in our life, we now don't trust God that He is good enough, that He's big enough to paint a masterpiece. And so we step in because of trust issues. I'm not here to tell you that, man, you're inherently... Well, you are. You are born into sin. But I'm not here to tell you that you wake up thinking about sin all the time. But because we don't trust God sometimes, that He's going to bring us the right person in our life to get married to, we don't trust Him in that, so we go ahead and try to make it happen ourselves. But how many know that God's choice for you is probably a lot better than your choice? Right? Because you might be looking at the outside, but let's just be honest, it ain't that bad to look at the outside, okay? Okay, But God sees the inside. He knows this person and He can line you up with the right person. Are you with me? We don't trust God in a business decision. We don't trust God in, in, in handling something with our family. And so we step in and we say, God, give me the brush for a minute. I think I know what I'm doing. I got this one handled. Para, para, paradise. Oh. Oh, look all that good, right? So because of sin, it gets jacked up because we don't trust, right? But see, maybe a, a more difficult one to handle than the sin because the reality is the Holy Spirit is working, convicting us of sin. And the majority of us, when we blow it, we know we blew it. We don't need someone to come over and, hey, by the way, we know and so when it comes time to deal with that, we can kind of reconcile the fact that, man, this mess is because of me. Because I blew it. But a harder one to deal with than that is this, this thought of emotional scars. This thought of, of things that happened to us from the outside that we had absolutely no control over. 
The fact that I'm growing up as a child and I'm, I'm now 11 and 12 years old and my dad decides he doesn't want a family anymore and leaves. I, I had no control over that. The fact that I'm, that I'm, that I'm 13 years old and, and, and my cousin or my uncle or whoever took advantage of me, I, I had no control over that. And, and it leaves an emotional scar. The fact that I did grow up in a home with a mom and a dad, but I might as well have had absent parents because neither one of them poured into my life. You, you had no control over that. The fact that I was married and, and madly in love, and then I discovered that, that my spouse was having an, an affair. I, ha- I had no control over that. And all of those things create this emotional emotional scars in our life and so sin is one thing and we can kind of reconcile that because i did it i committed that i see it that was wrong i should have never done that but emotional scars uh, they're a little bit different right because when emotional scars come and i like i like to use colorful paint when i think about emotional scars because i said this last week that when you really can step back for a minute emotional scars are nothing more than colorful splatters of paint on life's canvas they give depth and texture if you can reconcile them They can give depth and texture. So, you know, these emotional things happen in our life. And and it just begins to jack up. Now, oh, the doggy's gone. Or whatever you guys wanted to call it. I created it, though. It's whatever I say. (laughs) And now, what was beautiful, because, man, my spouse cheated on me. And I I can't reconcile that, because, man, I just... My dad left when I was young, and, and it, was, it, was, it was painful, and I don't, I don't even know how to, how to deal with the thought of that. And so now all the things that were so beautiful in your life are now, now jacked up. Not because of anything you did, right? But just, yeah, I'm getting into it now, huh? You like that? <laughs> it's a good thing you moved your guitar, Jonathan. Right? And now these things are happening and I don't get it. And God, why? And why did my dad? And why did my mom? And man, this, this, you know, my mom fought cancer and I don't know how to, I don't know how to reconcile that. Right? And these, these things, they happen in my life. They're, they're too painful for me to, under, to understand. So now what once was a beautiful garden, you saw it, right? You saw it. Don't deny it, right? What was once a beautiful garden is now just a jacked up mess, right? Because of emotional scars. Because of emotional scars. And I think, honestly, if we were to be, to be real with each other in this place right now, we'd probably sit there and say that I could fit into one of those two categories. But I, I fit in there. Here's one thing I've realized, that no matter how much you think you're over something, you're probably never truly over it. Something will happen. All of a sudden, it'll bring back a thought, a memory of, why did my dad? Why did my mom? Why did my spouse? Why did my wife? Why did my husband? Why this? Does anybody hear what I'm saying this morning? See, sin sometimes, that one's easy to reconcile because I can see that, man, I blew it. I, I, I should have never done that and I see my wrong, I see my error, but it's those things that begin to happen to us on the, on the outside, those things that come from nowhere that begin to hit us that, that are hard for us to reconcile. 
emotional scars. But I want to just do this real quickly for the next two minutes. I want to give you the key to what I believe is living or, or literally beginning to paint the masterpiece. To begin to paint a more powerful picture for your life. To begin to paint a more beautiful story for your life. And that is simply this. The key to both of these, whether it's sin in your life that has jacked up the picture, or whether it is emotional scars and things that have come from the outside, the key to all of it is this one word, forgiveness. 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 If I can come to that place of forgiveness, if I can come to that place of forgiving someone that has hurt me, if I can come to that place of realizing the error of my way and that I've sinned against God and I bow at the foot of the cross and His forgiveness comes, man, there's healing and there's restoration and there's hope and there's life and there's going to be a new picture. That's why the Bible says, put Ephesians 2.10 back up there, and that's why the Bible says that, that we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus the question has to be asked, why did He have to create us anew? Because of sin in our life. Why did He have to create the picture anew? Because of emotional scars in our life. And the only pathway to get to that place of being created anew is through this one word, forgiveness. 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 If I can get to the place and come to the cross of Jesus and say, Father, I've sinned. Would you forgive me? And you begin to feel that forgiveness. Listen to me. You know that you are forgiven when you feel empowered again. There are too many Christians living defeated because they don't understand the power of forgiveness. But if you understand the power of forgiveness, you understand that although a righteous man falls seven times, he begins to get back up again and he begins to go with the grace of God. Listen to me, the worst thing a believer could do is stay down. If you stay down, you're defeated. But if you get up, you understand the resurrection power of Jesus Christ and that old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. That is not just a good Bible story. That is the life that we can live in right now. Because my picture looks like this. But God's still got a plan. And it happens through forgiveness. That's why 1 John 1.9 says this. That if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And can I be honest with you for a minute? I am so excited that that verse is there because God is a lot more forgiving than humanity and if he did not put that verse there we would have to base our frame of reference on forgiveness on what we see through humanity and if that's all we saw then there would never be restoration because we're really good at talking about someone's failures and faults but we're really horrible at forgiving them and restoring them. But God, by His grace, through the cross of Jesus, He creates it brand new. Listen to me. I know that I know... i just share this with you. I know that the church will understand the full power of God's uh, redemptive grace through the cross of Jesus when we see pastors who have fallen for whatever areas of sin being forgiven and then restored back to the position they were in. So it's hard for you to say amen on that one. Because humanity says, ah, 
They, they should have been above reproach. They should have. But why do we place something on them that we ourselves don't even walk in? Forgiveness, it's powerful. It's powerful. To see people, to see marriages restored. To see people restored in their jobs because of the power of the Christ. awesome. Such an awesome thing. First John, when we just got to go and confess our sins to Him, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Second, I'll end here, emotional scars. You know, the Bible says that Jesus was teaching and He said, look, if you're going to bring your gift to the altar, if you're going to bring your prayer to Me, wait a second. Before you do that, go and make sure you're right with people. Because if you don't, I won't even hear your prayer. Matthew 6:14 We need to forgive others who have sinned against us. Father, forgive us as we in turn forgive those who have sinned against us. Wow. Look at what he puts on that. To the level that you forgive and let go, Christ's forgiveness comes in your life. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. You want to paint a better picture for your life, for your family? Because right now, the one you have looks a little jacked up. Because maybe sin in your life, or maybe some, some, some emotional scars and emotional pain that you've been dealing with. The power of forgiveness can come and paint a better picture for you power of forgiveness can come and paint a better picture for you. And as we close, I just feel this real strongly that there are those here and, and, and I just feel like touching in on the emotional scars part. I feel like there's some emotional stuff. I feel like there's some people that you're offended with and, and there's some things you need to make right. So Pastor Ben, how do I do that? Do I just pray a prayer and say, God, I let it go? Well, there's, there's several different things. And I, I want to share this with you real quick because I believe there's somebody here that needs to do some of these things. If you can actually go to the person, especially if you live in the same house together. It's so weird when someone's sending an email. You know, would you forgive me? And it's your spouse. Would you forgive me? Well, you'd be surprised. Text message. But you sit down. And you look your spouse in the face and you say, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? That's powerful. And forgiveness comes. Here's something you need to understand. Forgiveness doesn't come when they say, yes, I forgive you or whatever. Forgiveness comes when you say, hey, I'm letting this go. Because you have no control of the person on the other end. And you better pray because if you're a hurt person already and you go to talk to them and then they, they don't engage in the conversation, don't say anything, then you walk away hurt even more. So you've got to go and you let it go. If you can't talk to them, you know, then maybe you do need to send an email or a letter. Maybe they're across the country or maybe you pick up a phone and you say, hey, I need to just ask you to forgive me. I've been harboring some feelings towards you and I was wrong. Will you forgive me? 
And you don't need to go in depth on, by the way, you know, back in 1974 when you... Some people harbor it for a long time. And it's real. But that person ain't going to know what you're talking about. But to you, it was like yesterday. You just let it go. You don't need to get into details. So, Pastor, what do I do if I can't even contact them? I don't have a number. I can't call them. I have no email. Okay? No, don't just go on Facebook and post it. If Jimmy Jones is out there, I remember back in third grade that you... Don't do that. Okay? If you can't contact them, simply get alone and have a conversation with God. And say, God, I release to you right now the pain and the hurt and the bitterness and the offense that is in my life. And I release it to you. And I thank you, God, that you've forgiven me of my sins. And so, Lord, I forgive those that have offended me. And that sounds so great coming from a pulpit, doesn't it? I just made it sound so easy coming from a stage. And and look, I painted a picture to help us understand. Sounds so easy, doesn't it? But when it's personal, and it's real, and it's deep, and it's painful, it's not easy. That's why the Bible says His grace is sufficient. God, we thank You for Your Word today. God, we thank You that Your Word is, is awesome. Lord, I thank You for Ephesians 2.10 that says that we are Your masterpiece. We don't belong to somebody else. No one else is painting our picture. But sometimes those, those emotional things hit us, God, and it takes us off guard. And momentarily it splatters something on our, on our masterpiece and it looks corrupt and it looks bad. And Lord, there's, there's decisions, sins that we commit that come in and, and they begin to wreck the beautiful picture that You've created. But God, we thank You that the simple answer is forgiveness. Hallelujah. With your eyes closed, your heads bowed, you're here today. And I, I, I just feel like the Holy Spirit wants to say this to some of you today. We prayed for healing earlier. We prayed for healing earlier. And I believe that somebody's healing in this place is on the other side of forgiveness. Because the ailment actually isn't physical, it's emotional. But oftentimes, that emotional stuff runs so deep and lasts so long that it can literally begin to cause physical ailments in our life. But as you let go and you forgive, I'm telling you, healing is going to come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Eyes closed, heads bowed. You're here today. You say, Pastor, I got the first one going on. I got some sin in my life. And it's jacking up the masterpiece that God wants to create. It's messing with my family. It's messing with my marriage. It's messing with my business. Man, I got some sin in my life. I got some stuff that's separating me from God. And I know that I need His forgiveness. I need to confess it to Him so He'll be faithful and just to forgive me my sins. You're here today. And you say, Pastor Ben, that's me. I, want, I need to reconnect with God. I got some junk in my life. I don't want to mess with it any longer. I got sin. If that is you, and you know that you need to get right with God, on the count of three, I just want you to shoot your hand in the air. One, two, three. Shoot it high. Anybody at all? Thank you. 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 Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, you're good. God, you're good. God, you're good. Uh, you're here today. And you'd say, Pastor, I, I know I don't have sin in my life, but man, I got some deep wounds. I got some deep hurts. I got some pains, and I'm ready for God to pick the brushes up again, and I'm ready for Him to start painting the picture from my life. I'm tired of living in the pain of yesterday. I want to live in the freedom that comes when the brush is in His hand. I feel so strongly for somebody. My heart goes out to you. And you're here today, and you'd say, Pastor, that's me. I got some emotional stuff going on. I need healing. Can you just shoot your hand in the air so I can pray for you? Yeah. Yeah. 